Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard's Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm doing great, Keith. How about yourself? I'm all right. Uh, recuperating from uh, recuperating as if it's like a, tr- a drama to lo- watch the VMAs <laughs> uh, last night. And uh, the, Met, the Met Gala's today, and it's Fashion Week, and... The uh, the new uh, iPhones being announced on the fourteenth. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening I mean, right now. Your girl Madonna surprise opened the VMAs. Her old stomping. She did. Ground. Her Madonna, as well as her, as well as her rear end, as well as her bosoms, uh, <laughs> open opened the show. And I think she would be okay with me saying that. I think so too. Because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and frequently Madonna on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, it's all about Drake making history on the charts as the superstar not only clocks his 10th number one album on the Billboard 200 with Certified Loverboy, but nine of the album's songs debut in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, breaking his own record for the most songs in the top 10 at the same time. Plus, he has the entire top five of the chart, a feat that's only been accomplished once previously by none other than the Beatles in 1964. Well, who better to talk about all of this crazy chart action than the other senior director of charts and the Hot 100 chart manager, Gary Trust, who will join us in just a few minutes. Plus, we are taping the show on Monday night, and I was just watching all the madness of the Met Gala live stream, so we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the music star fashion that we just saw on the red carpet that you are surely enjoying on Tuesday all over social media. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so as I said, it is Monday night here as we're recording and the Met Gala just wrapped up. You know, it's kind of a whirlwind few days going straight from the VMAs into the Met Gala. It's... It's a lot, and there's a lot of the same faces that we saw on the red carpet. Keith, I don't know if you've been paying attention at all, 
I, I I was watching some. I mean, I've been watching Twitter. I haven't watched. I haven't. I haven't been watching the live stream. But I did see that there was like Simone Biles and J Lo and J Lo was there, right? At the Mexican. She Gala? was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so and, were uh, uh, a lot of people. Rodrigo, Lil Nas X, uh, Justin actually, Bieber, and you know, Haley Casey, Bieber, Casey Musgraves, and Olivia Rodrigo did their live stream interview together. Which I was like, huh. are, did you did you hang out together? Or is this like a friendship I didn't know about? So, New BFFs. Loving yeah. It. Um, loved that. Uh, Rosé from Blackpink, she walked. Um, Billie Eilish was actually a co-host of the evening, along with uh, Timothée Chalamet, Chalamet. Uh, and um, Amanda Gorman and um, one other person who I'm, I'm losing right now. Oh, Rihanna? Naomi Osaka, the tennis star. Oh. And um, so they were the host for the night. And, you know, Billy, if you haven't seen her yet, she went truly old Hollywood glam. Jaw-dropping dress. Jaw-dropping. Beautiful. Absolutely perfect. And in her live stream interview, she talked about how, you know, she never had this confidence before to just, you know, come out and wear something just traditionally beautiful. And that she feels that now that she can she can do that. It's kind of an incredible evolution that we've seen. You know, obviously she's so young, still a teenager, um, but it's cool to to see her come into her own like that. And it's and, such um, a she, big event. And she was also, I thought it was interesting that you know at the VMAs she chose to wear, you know, a a, a something that we were more used to seeing Billy in a very sort of voluminous sort of sweater type outfit. Um, and I was like, oh, I wonder if she's going to be turning out a very different look for the Met Gala. And sure enough, she did. A big, long, flowing gown that took up most of the carpet when she arrived. Okay, well, I have to mention what I thought was the craziest thing that I saw of all the musicians that walked the red carpet. And that is Frank Ocean. Um, Keith, if you were on Twitter, you definitely saw this one. Um, Frank Frank had neon green hair and then uh-huh. was carrying a neon green robotic baby on his side sure. <laughs> this thing is is what nightmares are made of. what was and, the theme of this year's met gala robotic was, babies yeah no it was all about um american fashion and so right. um i i don't know exactly i'm sure frank has an eloquent way of explaining um how that all goes into the theme um and people really interpreted that theme a lot of different ways that leon bridges walked Wearing, you know, kind of a Texas cowboy look, which, you know, makes sense. And um, Debbie saw, Harry was wearing kind of a denim and an American flag sort of ensemble. There was yeah. a lot of denim, a lot of denim. And then, you know, it feels like Haley and Justin Bieber just kind of wanted to wear pretty black outfits on the red carpet. <laughs> so, you know, people have their their own ways of interpreting the theme. It's, every it's, year. Some, sometimes the theme is very easy when it's punk or right, you know, something right. very, very translatable. But it seems like this year's theme is a little bit more loosey goosey. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, please go to billboard.com uh, to see, you know, all the looks of our favorite musicians. Of course, at uh, show recording time, we have yet to see queen of the Met Gala, Rihanna. Um, she did not make it in time for the live stream, but she is allegedly hosting a post party um, for the show. So uh, hopefully she arrives grandly at some point and we get to see that. But, um, you know, that remains to be seen. Wow. All right. Um, well, any anything else, uh, Katie, or should we move on to the Drakey Drake Drake news? I think it's time for how Drake has completely and utterly uh, dominated our charts. 
Yeah. Well, all right. Let's do the chart chat. First up and second up and third up. It's all about Drake this week as the superstar dominates both the Billboard 200 albums chart and the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart. His album Certified a Lover Boy debuts atop the Billboard 200, marking his 10th chart-topping album. And it makes him one of just eight acts with at least 10 number one albums. He stands alongside The Beatles with a record 19 number one albums, Jay-Z with 14, Bruce Springsteen and Barbara Streisand, each with 11, and Elvis Presley, Eminem, and Kanye West, who all have 10 as well. Certified starts with 613,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending September 9th. According to MRC data, and that is the largest week for any album in over a year since Taylor Swift's Folklore debuted on the August 8th, 2020 dated chart at number one with 846,000 units. Now, most of Certified's units were driven by streaming activity as the album's 21 tracks racked up 743.7 million on-demand streams in their first week in the U.S. And of that sum, audio on-demand streams, meaning audio like when you listen on Apple Music or Spotify, uh, comprise 714.8 million, and that is the second largest week ever for an album it trails just another Drake album, <laughs> Scorpion, which debuted with 745.9 million for its 25 tracks back in 2018. Okay, so that's a lot. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. There's a lot there. And that's that's just number one on the Billboard 200. Right. So over on the Billboard Hot 100, things are even crazier for Drake because he has a record nine of the top ten songs and the entire top five, which is a feat only previously achieved by the Beatles in 1964. The only non-Drake song in the top ten is the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's former number one, Stay, which is now at number six in the nine-song Drake pileup. It's it's nice that Drake left just a little bit of room for one other song. Right. Um, as Hot 100 chart manager Gary Trust writes on Billboard.com, Drake's way too sexy leads the way at number one and the track features future and young thug and in fact all 21 of the album's songs debut in the top 40 on the hot 100 that's also insane uh way too sexy which interpolates the former number one i'm too sexy by right said fred starts with 67.3 million streams nearly 8 million in airplay audience and 7,000 copies sold. Can I real quick just go back to that point about the Right Said Fred song? Yeah. I sort of jokingly, sort of seriously suggested to Keith today that our show should be about the history of I'm Too Sexy on the Billboard Hot 100 because it's also used or interpolated or sampled in Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do which was oh, right. the lead single from Reputation. And so my coworker, or our coworker, Andrew Unterberger, mentioned that it's crazy that arguably the two biggest, maybe the biggest female, biggest male artists of the last decade, both interpolated the same song on a lead single from a major album. Like, isn't that, it's kind of insane. Yeah, and... <laughs> My gosh, how much money are the songwriters of I'm Too Sexy making? Oh, my Lord. 
Uh, I yeah. can't even imagine. And then also I'd like to give a shout out to Keith for predicting all of this happening when he <laughs> uh, did the chart stat about songs, number one songs with the word sexy in the title. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just it was just last week's show. We were talking about Sexy Back going to number one for Justin Timberlake and how um, that was uh, the most recent song with the word sexy in the title was um, Sexy and I Know It, I believe. Until? But until this week. This week. <laughs> way too sexy. Just way too weird. All right, that's, All right, my, well, that's my tangent. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So, so way too sexy. Um, its streaming sum of uh, 67.3 million actually marks the second best in a single week in 2021, trailing only the opening frame of Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license with 76.1 million in January. Um, all nine of the songs Drake places in the top 10 on the Hot 100 each exceed at least 39 million in streams for the week, all enormous sums on their own. Of uh, all the tracks, actually, all of the tracks, save for Way Too Sexy, have nominal airplay support as well as moderate track sales. Truly, it's all about the streaming numbers for Drake. Yeah. And with nine of the top 10, Drake breaks his own record for the most concurrent hits in the top 10. He previously had seven of the top 10 concurrently uh, with the debut of Scorpion. Plus, Drake has a record nine top 10s from one album now, surpassing the seven top 10s that were generated by Michael Jackson's Thriller, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, and Drake's own Scorpion. It's kind of crazy since both of us lived through the eras of those some of those albums knowing what those artists had to do to get seven songs to the top 10 is a little it's a little different yeah streaming would have changed changed the game for all streaming would have changed the game a whole heck of a lot back then yeah so with all of that said we thought who better to dig into drake's big week than the person who manages the hot 100 who is keith's counterpart gary trust So I let Keith and Gary fall into a chart rabbit hole with this conversation, and it was so long, we decided to break it up into a two-part episode. Okay, I'm just joking. But um, take a listen to Keith and and Gary's deep dive into Drake's big week on the Hot 100. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Gary Trust, the other senior director of charts. Your twin from the East Coast. It's 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 the twin who is the king of the Hot 100. Have you actually? I should know this. Have you been on the Pop Shop before? Well, for, first Drake is the king of the Hot 100. I can't True. take that yes. title. Yeah, we. Um, well, you don't remember Keith? We co-hosted an episode maybe in 2014. I think. How could you not remember that? I uh, I feel ashamed that I don't remember now. So, um, well, I'm sorry it's it's taken so long, but your voice. And your words are always heard on the show every week, as you know, because I liberally rip you off. Um, Speaking of which, uh, this week, I thought it would be appropriate if I just went to the source directly because it's such a huge week on the Hot 100, where Drake has a history-making week on the chart. It's insane. Gary, Drake has the entire top five songs on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, a feat only ever previously achieved by the Beatles, in 1964 and drake has a record nine out of the top 10 how in the world did he do this yeah uh i right there there is no simple answer one is and i know you've pointed this out keith he streams 
really like no one else. Obviously, streaming is driving the Hot 100 these days. It drives the album charts. It drives so many charts. And, and yeah, there are a lot of acts that do have high streaming numbers, but of all those stars, he actually just does that even better than almost anyone else. And we've seen that in, in other weeks. So he has the top nine of uh, the top 10. He has nine of the top 10 on the Hot 100 this week. No one's ever done that. But the record he breaks is his own. He had seven of the top 10 last time he put out a proper album in 2018. So in with some Scorpion. ways, with the Scorpion. With Scorpion. Yeah, so maybe it's so surprising that he is having these kind of numbers, but it's also in some ways not surprising at all because he's come close to doing this. So that's that's uh, the actual stats of how he's doing it. How did he get to this point? It's been now over a decade of him building his sound, building his following. And I think he really has a sonically diverse sound to him. I think there's really something for everyone in his music. For me personally, I think maybe his best song, we're going back to 2010 for this one, is Find Your Love, which is a pop R&B ballad where he's singing really nicely. So you know with Drake, he might sing, he might rap, he's got all different sides to his music. Sometimes he's boasting, sometimes it's, it's more sensitive. He's just got a lot of angles to what he brings. So I think when you have that and you've built that over a decade, and when he has just gotten to the top streaming like this, he's he's not just resting on his laurels. He's earning it every time he has these kind of records. But you put that all together and it's like he's still at the top of his game, clearly. We, we joke on the podcast, Katie and I joke about how sometimes certain artists kind of exist in their own universe where um, it's hard to compare them to anyone. Uh, Taylor Swift, Adele, Drake, they kind of exist in their own sort, sort of ecosystem where you know, you talk about, oh, big streams, and then, well, there's Drake, you know, or big sales, and then there's Taylor Swift or Adele. Like, they just they just kind of buck the trend of what everyone else does. And I think, you know, um, Drake consistently is a streaming monster, and he it just almost doesn't matter what he puts out. It will generate zillions, that's a very specific number, of streams. And I think it's just incredible to see how consistent he is with his power on streaming services. And I wonder, um, I, I just wonder um, how this will, how this will evolve in the future. You know, is this, is this something that we will see more artists kind of dominate streaming services in the same way Drake does? Or is Drake truly an outlier when it comes to how he performs on streamers? So that's not really a question. It's more just a pontification of you know, where we're at in 2021 and how artists have their music consumed. And Drake is just insane when it comes to the number of streams that he can generate. Um, yeah. And a couple of things to that, Keith, real quick. I, I think mm -hmm. it's, he's getting to the point where he's hitting such highs. He's not leaving much room to raise the bar. So next time, if he doesn't get the top 10 from a new album, I hope it doesn't, uh, the perception doesn't become, oh, that's not as big because when you're at this level, there's kind of, you can stay there or you can still be pretty much near it, but he's, he's making it tough to follow up at yeah. this point. Uh, the other point, uh, and, and they were talking about uh, borrowing from uh, coworkers, Andrew Unterberger uh, in the edit department uh, noted how uh, there were no advanced tracks from this album, just like a week earlier, Kanye 
didn't have any. So I think that's driving two of these, uh, two of the, two of the, the two biggest weeks of this year for albums. Uh, there's that surprise element. You knew the albums were coming at some point. There was a lot of lead up. So you had the anticipation, but no one uh, in the general public had heard this music. So the week it comes out, yeah, you're streaming all these songs because you haven't heard them. Yeah. You, uh, yeah, you wonder, um, just a point of pontification, you know, if, if we, t- if we think of in the old days, when streaming services did not exist and people would purchase individual albums and they would listen to an album repeatedly throughout that first week, you know, imagine how many times someone would have listened to, you know, an Eminem album in the year 2000 or a Britney Spears album or an NSYNC album. Yeah, they bought, you know, NSYNC sold 2 million copies of No Strings Attached in its first week. But how many times did their fans and the general public you know, had, you know, play, played that album repeatedly throughout the first week, because that's what we're capturing now with streaming. You know, it's not just you playing a Drake song once. It is you playing a Drake song repeatedly throughout the week because you want to listen to the album more than once. We're capturing all of that activity. So, you know, while the charts, you know, have been around for decades, the way people consume music has changed dramatically. And so it's just, it's just super interesting to, to think of like, well, gosh, I wonder how the chart would have reacted. Okay, so why has it been that the Beatles have been the only act to have had the entire top five until this week? And how has no act ever had this many songs in the top 10 at one time before Drake this week? Yeah, it really points to how big the Beatles were at that point and how they just overhauled what pop music was at the time. Uh, part of it, a big part of it, is the workings of the industry. And I think a couple things are, uh, for the most part, no matter how big you were at any point, Elvis, Madonna, the Beatles, uh, you had one single out at a time. Maybe a B-side was big, but you focused on one song because radio is what drove popularity. That's how you reached people. So you you never want to overwhelm radio with multiple songs because they might not all connect. You kind of need to focus on one track for that reach. So you had that, and you also uh, had physical product. That was the currency of the industry. You and I grew up, I grew up with cassettes pretty much was how I uh, uh, got into music. And that takes a little time to produce. So now we're in a digital era and streaming is so big. So you, you put that all together and you can drop a song instantly and you can drop more than one because you're not necessarily waiting for radio. Radio is still huge. It still helps make a song a mass appeal hit, but you can put out a song. If you're on the level of Drake, you can put out 21 songs on this album and you'll get that reach and you don't need the physical product. It's suddenly out there. So yeah, that's how you can get uh, nine of the top 10 in 2021 when you couldn't before. So uh, if it had been a digital era in the 60s, would the Beatles maybe have had the top 15 or 20 in a week? Possibly. Probably. Would Madonna have, have done that in the 80s when Like a Prayer came out the first week? Would Express Yourself have been number two? Would Cherish be number three? We'll, we'll never know. But uh, it's kind of, it's interesting. And it's also, you can never get the answer when you try to put that in a historical angle. You're saying all the words that make me think because I continually reference Madonna. Um, you know, would Into the Groove, famously a song that was never on the Hot 100 because it wasn't, you know, available as an A side on a on a on a physical single back in the '80s. It never charted on the Hot 100, but it was all over MTV and people heard it all over the radio. If we had lived in a digital era then and a streaming era then, would Into the Groove have been a top ten hit? 
maybe, probably, we, we don't know. But um, I think for context, folks listening, you know, the Hot 100 from 1958 when it started up through like basically 2003 when the iTunes store, store started, it was um, purely a physical singles chart with radio airplay. Right. And then we got digital track sales once the iTunes store started. I think there might have been some small amount of digital track sales before then from low-lying services, but not in a meaningful way. And then later, streams. And so now the chart has streams, uh, both physical sales and digital sales, as well as radio airplay. But back in the ye olden days of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know, the chart would have a, a, a couple physical singles from an artist you know, whatever happened to be in stores, if they hadn't sold out of them yet, along with what was ever popular on the radio at any one time. And in order to be on the chart, you needed to actually have a physical single in stores. So maybe you had a big radio hit, but it never charted. So it's, it's, I think it's fascinating to see now today how the chart is, has really kind of leveled the playing field, sort of, where Anything by any artist in theory can chart in any given week. It is not being um, sort of structured or um, uh, uh, specified in a certain way where only a certain physical single can chart or only a certain radio single can chart. In theory, anything can chart as we see this week where all 21 songs on Drake's new album can chart on the Hot 100 at one time in the top 40. Yeah. You mentioned playing field, Keith. So it's your fault. I'm going to use a very quick sports reference, which I know you love. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, like uh, in football, you're seeing a lot of quarterback records uh, have been completely obliterated in recent years. And it's partly because of the way the game has changed. Years ago, uh, there was more running than passing. Nowadays, quarterbacks pass so much. So you see all these yardage records. So sports, the charts, there's a lot of similarities where records sometimes get broken because of their era. And it's not uh, not taking a side of whether one's more impressive than the other. It's just, you can only really be uh, judged in your era because that's kind of the fairest way to do it. So you know, Drake is ruling now, like no one else. He's pretty peerless as we see with a lot of these records. Uh, back then it was the Beatles. It gets much more difficult to look at it over eras, but that's that's what makes it so fun as well. Yeah, I think, I think but I think that's also why people, um, like the billboard charts so much and certainly why you and i do is because it is the chart you know hot 100 is the chart where you can compare elvis presley and the beatles and madonna and mariah and janet and drake and nikki and olivia rodrigo all on the same all on the same landscape all on the same continuous line all on the same thread they all exist together on this chart and you know, when someone says I had a number one on the Hot 100, they can say like I did something that the Beatles did, or Elvis did, or the Rolling Stones did, and there's that through line that people like. And we we also know that it's 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 difficult and complicated to compare different eras because of the market changes, because of how people consume music, because of the nature of the music and and how it becomes popular. But at the core of it. There is still this thing, this thing that is the comparable that people like to have. It's it's it, it's difficult to compare 2021 to 1964, and yet here we are doing it with a lot of caveats and asterisks to explain. Well, these were the market conditions that actually were, in, you know, enabling the Beatles to have the entire top five in 1964. By the way, I think it's important to note that 
you know, back in 1964, when the Beatles had the entire top five, um, they, they did it in a way that was actually unusual at the time in 1964. I believe, wasn't it like three, like three out of the five uh, songs in the top five that week weren't even on Capitol Records and the other two were on Capitol. So the Beatles were signed to Capitol Records in America in 1964. Um, but before that, they had a number of their songs licensed out to smaller record labels. Well, Beatlemania explodes and everyone who had the, the rights to release a Beatles single put it out and released it. And so um, they did something that was unusual at the time because like Gary talked about earlier, you wouldn't normally have more than one or two singles in the market. Well, the Beatles suddenly had a plethora of singles in the market, which was unusual and, and highly weird at the time. But if they hadn't had that unusual set of circumstances where they had multiple labels releasing different singles, they might have not had the entire top five. So right. in a way, Drake has unusual circumstances assisting him where you know every song is available to chart because they're all on streaming services. Well, the Beatles had so many songs and so many singles in the marketplace, they were able to do something kind of similar in 1964. Yeah, you could say though that uh, they're, uh, they, uh, the supply and the demand, their popularity that was building at that point demanded that outlier status. So not every act uh, was big enough. There were other acts who were on multiple labels, had songs in different uh, different versions by different labels, but they had just become so big that there was that demand for it. So that's part of it too. They actually made that happen. Imagine, imagine uh, in 1983, if every song on Michael Jackson's Thriller album had been released as a seven inch final single, would every single one of them have been in the top 10 at the same time, just because it was Michael mania in 1983. Like you, you, I always think of stuff like this and think, God, what, what, what would have happened, but we'll never yeah. know because it was well, just, the, you know, the world worked differently then. Yeah. Uh, you bring up uh, farewell. My summer love. Remember that song? It became a hit as thriller was so big. This is an older Michael Jackson song. On Motown. Was so it, was, it was an old Motown single that Motown dug up to release exactly. on the back of the, the success of the Epic release thriller. Right. And so there you go. So, yeah, sometimes uh, people go uh, searching for even more. Uh, people are just insatiable sometimes when acts get this big. Um, last question, because this, this conversation, of course, as always, turned out much longer than I anticipated it would be. But this is what happens when Keith and Gary start <laughs> talking about charts. Um, what chart record is still standing that Drake will beat next? And that question comes courtesy of Katie Atkinson, who is obviously not here with the Keith and Gary deep rabbit hole chat. People might have thought Katie was here. We just wouldn't let her. <laughs> we just wouldn't let her get in, in edgewise. <laughs> Turns out she's been here the entire time. So yeah, so Katie was wondering what chart record is still standing that Drake will break next. It's kind of yeah, a I think, uh, joking think, question, but it's kind of serious at the same time. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if he will. And this one is not anything that would, as far as I know, uh, the, 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 the way you would think. Uh, can this record be broken anytime soon? Can it be broken by Drake? But most Hot 100 number ones. So the Beatles have 20. Mariah is second with 19. So there is kind of a watch. We're, we're, could Mariah get that 20th number one and tie the Beatles? So Drake's at nine. But we see him be such an automatic at this point. He debuted at numbers one, two, and three earlier this year with What's Next and the other songs. That had never happened before. He's his own worst enemy. He puts out too many songs at one time and he blocks right. himself from being number one. That's what's interesting about this. You can you can only have one number one at a time. Would he get to a point where he's releasing a new song 
every week for 10 weeks. Don't you put that I out know, into right? the universe. We're putting that out there if, uh, <laughs> if the label's listening. But that's how it could. We saw that with the Glee cast where they were having five or six debuts every week. And that got them the record until Drake for most Hot 100 hits overall, all time. So, yeah, it could be something that based on his popularity right now, he could be in the running for, but it might take a different form of distribution for how the songs would come out for that to happen. But I think we have to probably think if all these other records can be broken, if the top five record, which even a few years ago before streaming was as big as it is now, you maybe would have thought, yep, that just can't happen. I think we're getting really good at thinking, I'm not sure there's a record that is unbreakable at this point because of how much the industry is changing, the way consumption is changing. So I feel like that's a possibility of the number one record, whether it would take another five years or whether that's something you could do over a span of, of say two months. I look forward to the Drake and Mariah collaboration to help them both get a number one. I'd want to listen to that. That'd be good. Of course you would, because <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy Madonna as much as you enjoy Mariah. If that Maybe, gets Mariah a 20th number one, I'm not going to complain. Not, we, you know, we, we, we have our faves at the same time. Um, you know, we also love our charts. Um, well, this has been a fascinating uh, chat. And I'm happy that you could come on for this uh, really uh, fantastically extraordinary week on the charts. Um, I think if, if you're a chart aficionado, it's, it's a really, really fascinating, interesting week. And uh, thank you, Gary, for, for coming on and, and sharing your, your, your words of wisdom. Thank you so much, Keith. Thanks again for the amazing Gary for joining us on the Yay. Pop Shop. Um, he will soon be taking my gig. Yeah, um, we, we talk about him every week, so it's only fair we let him come on the show once in a while. Yeah, we liberally rip him off. So, you know, it's only fair <laughs> that he actually has his voice on the show. All right, now it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. Hey, Mr. DJ, put a record on. I want to dance with my baby. Twenty-one years ago this week, Madonna got her twelfth and most recent number one on the Hot 100 with "Music." The single stepped two to one on the list dated September 16th, 2000, and spent four weeks atop the list. The track was the lead single from the album of the same name, which also reached number one on the Billboard 200, dated October 7th, 2000. Incredibly. It was her first number one album since the 1989 album Like a Prayer, which spent six weeks in charge. In between Like a Prayer and Music, she had seven albums that reached the top ten, including five albums that peaked at number two. Oh boy. Hmm. The single Music would go on to earn a pair of Grammy Award nominations for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance and Record of the Year, while the music album scored a nod for Best Pop Vocal Album. Music has since become a staple in Madonna's concert tours, having been performed more than 300 times on five of the seven Madonna tours she's staged since its release. Truly, music makes the people <laughs> come together. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. This week in 2000, Madonna topped the Hot 100 with music. A 
Uh, we've reached the end of our show. Of course, I had to mention Madonna since she uh, was the uh, sort of surprise quasi opener of the VMAs. Yes. Uh, Katie, what song should we go out on this week? I mean, I feel like we should honor those, you know, almost 40 years. <laughs> Whatever. What did she say? About forty oh, years. Like uh, around forty years around. ago. Around forty years ago, she arrived in Manhattan. Madonna said <laughs> it was. It was, I think, nineteen seventy-eight, and MTV started in eighty-one. So I guess "around" is a very liberal, flexible word to use. Yes, there. it is. Yes, it is. But I feel like to to celebrate those around forty years of her career, we should definitely go out on a Madonna song. So, and I'm not even going to think about choosing. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we could go out on maybe her first single for Warner Brothers Records, Everybody, which was released in late 1982. How about that? Of course it was. That sounds perfect. <laughs> All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Everybody.